Welcome to Living Rural, a podcast on home financing and mortgages for rural living. I'm Michelle Sandin, your host and your Rural First Consumer Lending Officer with Farm Credit Services of America. Let's dive into the world of rural home financing together. On this episode of Living Rural, I'm going to talk a little bit about buying land for the construction of your new home. Last episode, I started our construction series regarding our construction loans, so today I want to discuss where do you find land to build a home on, and what are some things that you should look for or keep top of mind when searching for that land. So I have in the studio with me today, Emily Swinford with Better Homes and Gardens. Hello, Emily. Good morning. How are you, Michelle? Good. Glad you're here with us today. I just wanted to talk a little bit about, I get a lot of calls when people call in wanting to construct a home, but the first question is, they want to build, but where do I find land? I don't have any land. I know I want to be out in the country, but where do I start? So I thought bringing you in, you'd be the best expert for me. So I guess just to kind of explain listeners, when someone calls you about that land purchase, what are some things you go through or, and maybe everybody's a little bit different as to what their needs and wants are. So let's just visit a little bit about what do you look for when someone says, I need land? It's always a loaded question, and it's much more complicated than what it might seem. So this is my ninth year in real estate, and I've been with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate now for five years. And it is probably one of the most common questions I get. It's everybody's dream. It's the American dream, right? So I get calls from all sorts of different types of people that are looking for maybe just a one-acre lot to build on, up to 20 acres. And it seems like it should be so easy driving through rural areas because there is so much empty space. Why can't a farmer just sell me three acres off of their Uh piece of property and everybody's happy? And unfortunately, that's just not the way it works. So it's very difficult. There's a lot of rules that the county has in place. Some subdivisions have certain covenants that restrict what you can and cannot do with your property. For example, they might not allow you to have pigs if that's your thing. And so when somebody says, I want to buy land, I usually want to have a sit-down conversation with them and go through the entire process from A to Z because it is difficult to buy land off market. There's several different ways to buy land, whether it's listed, whether you buy it privately, or whether you buy it off of an auction. And as the financing can be a little bit trickier, it's not like a home where you just have zero down, especially to your point if you're building. And so I like to have a sit down conversation with people and we go through, okay, where do you want to be? Another thing people don't realize is they think they want 10 acres. And then we start looking at properties and it's, whoa, that is way more than I thought it was. We actually want three acres. Mm -hmm. Lots of people want ponds or something like that. And so my land buyers, I always tell them much more so than my residential buyers that you have to be super, super patient to get the location and the type of property that you want. And that could take... I have people that have been looking for two years mm-hmm. the right piece of property that they want to build on. So I like to just have a full sit-down consultation and go through everything from A to Z in terms of where they want to be, where they can be in order to do what they want to do mm-hmm. with their property. I know you want to talk septic and well a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's not as simple as it may seem. That's for sure. And it's their needs and wants. And like you said, how close do you want to be to a metropolitan or a smaller city? And like you said, if somebody is thinking they want three to five acres or 10 acres and they get out there and their dream is to build that home, but then they also want an outbuilding. There may or may not be room for that outbuilding should they want that down the road. So there's a lot to take in to when just looking for land. And I do find that people are like, I just, why can't a seller, like you said, just give me five acres or give me 10 acres. It's not that easy. And you're like myself that we cover a lot of areas. We cover a lot of counties and each county in Iowa and Nebraska is different as to what each county requires as far as zoning and how many acres. And like you said, what 
can be on that property and what can't be. So I try to educate my customers a lot too, that I'm going to give you some advice, but it's really important to sit down with that county assessor and find out a little bit about their requirements as well. Especially in our area in Southwest Iowa, we deal with the less hills. And so there's a lot more rules there as to what you can and cannot do with the dirt since it is a special type of soil that's only found in, from what I understand, two parts of the world. And so it, it just depends. You might find what you want, but it might be on five miles of gravel and some people right. don't want to travel rock roads. So there's just a lot that goes into it. Or getting out there when they find that piece, where's a good spot to put my house? Because sometimes that's depending on how the land flows or how it sits is can I build there or not? And what view do you want? And there's just a lot to look at when finding that right piece of ground for that American dream. Yeah. And one thing you have to consider, I've had several buyers who have been lot or land buyers. And it seems like it might be so simple to just, okay, let's buy this five acres and let's build a house. The grading of the property is very important and have even had clients who say, okay, I want my garage here. And then you have your construction companies come out and it's impossible to do that unless you want to move loads and loads of dirt. So even if it looks like a slow, steady grade, it might not work for the house that you're trying to build. I have a family that's in this, in, in the business for moving dirt and rock. And I know that they have these conversations regularly with their customers. You can't put that driveway there or you can, but it's going to cost a lot of money. And so when you do go to buy a piece of property, it's important to either have a contingency in the offer or to have somebody come look at it first to make sure you can build the house that you want on that piece of property and that the lay of the land is going to work for that. And it takes It's much more complicated than it seems, and it takes somebody with that experience to truly understand, hey, here's how the water is going to run off, or it's not so easy as just cutting off that hill and moving this dirt over here. It's really complicated, and then again, the county has some rules as well. Right. I know we've covered a few things, but some other things that I always talk about when considering buying land is, like we talked about the location, how close you want to be to the town, what you want to put on that property, or is there already buildings on that property, improvements or outbuildings, or are you going to do that yourself? We talked about, you talked about excavation or clearing. Is there work that needs to be done where we have to clear a bunch of trees? Because that's a cost that can go into once you buy the land is doing that clearing of the trees, zoning and ordinances. And each, like I said, county has a little bit different. As, and as far as building permits, I know there's some counties that have them and some counties that don't. Road access, if that land is landlocked, you need to make sure that there's easements to it, which is why you can't, I'm going to use the example of a 40-acre parcel. You just can't go to that seller and say, give me 10 acres in the middle of this 40-acre parcel, right? Because we have to have access to it. And so that's where easements come into play too. Yeah, the more rural you get, the more we run into private drives where you might need to consider that you are going to have a road agreement with your neighbors. So if you have four or five properties that use a private drive that the county doesn't maintain, that becomes your responsibility. And there's a lot of different ways that they handle that. They might have not an HOA, but a road fund that you're required to contribute to monthly and take the funds out of there. Or it might just be one of those things where, hey, it's time for everybody to pitch in because we need to rock the road. So you have to consider your snow removal and the maintenance on the acreage, especially if you have trees. Trees are a lot of work. So there's with the easement specifically, especially with maybe you have a property with a pond. Sometimes there's easements for other people to use that pond and that 
those easements run with the land at times. So there's all sorts of different things that you want to work with your real estate agent to look into, especially when you get that title work back to make sure that everything is in place and that you're comfortable with it. Got it. What about surveys? Do you have a lot of people that purchase land and then we need to have a survey done or are you how familiar you are with surveys or how long does that take? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Usually with a lot or a land listing, if it's it's if it's a bigger acreage, subdivisions that are being built normally have a current survey, but I always recommend that somebody has a survey done. I just had or sold a property over by Missouri Valley, Iowa that was 50 acres and we had a survey done and it's just really important to know where your property starts and stops. I've ran into lots of issues where neighbors are upset or even issues where we found that half of the outbuilding sits on somebody else's property. If you're going to have the property split, so say you're buying 10 acres off of a 20 acre parcel, that process is a little bit longer because now the surveyor has to go in, create the new lines, and then create the new legal description. Whereas if you're buying a parcel as is, then a lot of times they can just go out, mark the boundaries, make sure that you know where your lines are, and it's a lot more simple and doesn't take quite as long. But if you buy a a piece of land, I typically do recommend that you have a survey done just because it's not as simple as a residential property where you can makes, although you do have the right to have a survey in that case too, but where you can see the mow lines, make some assumptions based on the fence and that sort of thing. So it's especially important when you're buying land. How long does it typically take to get a survey done? It just depends. The surveyors, just like us, they get more backed up in the nicer season because that's when they're trying to really get everything done. They have big jobs, so they might get backed up. If, But say you make an offer on a property and you want to close in 30 days, mm-hmm. most of the time you'll be able to find a surveyor in the area that will be able to get it done within that time frame. And then again, that becomes another contingency in your offer that it's contingent on you reviewing those property lines and that you are happy with that and that they are what you think that they are. Yeah. So tell me, do you do a lot of smaller lots or do you have listings that are, say, 20 20 acres and above or is it just a mix of variety? It's just a mix. I personally, I don't do a ton with farm ground, but with residential building lots, I've sold acreages like the one we just discussed that was 50 acres all the way down to one acre lots for a developer. And every one is different. I get asked all the time, hey, what's the price per acre? And there's just not an easy answer to that. Right. Land is its location, right? So it, it depends. If you're on a paved road and you have 10 acres, that's five minutes from town, that's going to be priced a lot differently than, say, if you have two acres on a golf course or if you have 50 acres in the middle of nowhere. So it, it all just depends. There, it's There's no easy way to answer that. Right. Even with farmland, it depends on the specifics for the property and how the quality of the land. So there's really no way to price it per acre. When I go in to sell a lot, I try to pull similar comps or similar properties that have mm-hmm. sold that are like that piece of land. And it works just like residential. We got to find three to five or hopefully more properties that have recently sold that are similar to yours. And then we can start to justify what that price might be per acre or what's fair. And sometimes I have to have the conversation if it's a 20 or 40 acre parcel and a seller is pulling, let's say five or 10 acres out of production and going to sell it as a site value. That probably they have in their mind what that may be worth. But when you take it out of production, corner beans or any income producing farm, 
farm ground and you put it to a site value, that value is going to change a little bit. Yeah, likely it's going to go up yeah. significantly. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that either. A farm for a farmer or a landowner is a long-term investment. Right. Just like I say, a 401, a, say a 401k, it's what's producing their income, but it's also in terms of the land value, it's a long-term investment. And so it's not as simple or as easy to say, hey, Mr. Farmer, can you please, or Mrs. Farmer, mm-hmm. can you please break me off three acres and then that farmland, say that's worth eight to ten thousand, seven to $10,000 an acre, depending on where you're at, or maybe even more. Now, all of a sudden you have a building lot and that might be worth twenty to $50,000 an acre. Right. So that makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Yes. A couple other things I thought about too, is when somebody's looking for land, whether there's already improvements on it or not. And sometimes this goes into the cost or what you want to think ahead when you're looking to build is, is there a septic on it already? Or Typically, the biggest thing is water. Rural water happened to be close by, or is there a well? So those are a couple other things, too, that I talk about when looking for land. Is that already there, or is that something that I'm going to have to do should I eventually look to build on that? I have a personal story, actually, about, but I always recommend to my buyers that they have, if there is no septic tank, if there is a septic tank, it has to accommodate whatever house you're going to fit or whatever house you're going to build if you intend to hook onto that. So that's probably going to be a little more difficult because it will have to be inspected and brought up to today's standards if it's not. So a lot of times that septic might be abandoned and then you'll be required to do a new one because they are based on how many bedrooms you have in the house and the size of the home. And with a well, drilling a well can it's a process. And so you'd also want to have a contingency in your offers to have time to talk to a well company who knows the area, who knows whether or not it's easy to find water in that area. Every time you drill to find water that you don't and you don't find water, you're paying for that. So if you have to, if you have a spot that's a little more difficult to find water and you're drilling three different times before you finally hit, then you are paying for each one of those. And then you're paying to have your well drilled once you do find water. With a septic, you want to make sure that you do a percolation test or have a contingency to do that on the soil prior to closing on the property because that's going to determine if that soil is capable of taking on that septic tank and all that extra moisture that or all that extra water and waste that's going to be absorbed back into that soil. So those are two things that you can do. They're not foolproof. You might have might talk to a well company and then you might run into issues. Myself personally, I lived on an acreage about five, six years ago, I've since sold the property and thinking, oh, I'm a real estate agent. I sit through inspections all the time. No big deal. We did the septic inspection that was required by the state of Iowa. Skipped out on the home inspection just because I'd walked through so many of them and felt comfortable with the house and just what I knew of it from seeing it. And I did not do a well test. So come to find out, it was not a drilled. It was an old clay, which is a very old system and not very reliable. Oh, okay. So we install a pool and we go to fill our pool thinking that we're going to have no issues. And this is about a year after we'd lived there. And as we're doing that, mud just starts pouring in through the kitchen sink. Oh, no. (laughs) And so shame on me. I should have had a well test done. But had I had a well test done, what I would have found out is that on my side of the road, it was nearly impossible to find water to the point where neighbors behind us had built and that they had to run their well, which then becomes more expensive the further away it gets from your house, that they had to run their, it was hundreds of feet from the home in order to find water. And so luckily we had a city water line that was close, but for two months we were without water, living with my parents, because you can't just 
drill a new well and you can't just hook onto a city sewer line. We were, we had to get a variance. We were not within the distance that is allowed to hook onto it. So we had to get special permission to do that. Had the city said no and not granted us that variance, which they very much could have, we would never have had water to our property unless we would have gone to a neighbor across the street and begged for an easement. And then we would be tearing up a concrete road. So it's really important to make sure that you're that you're covering your basis on utilities and that you're talking to the well companies to make sure that you can find water in the area that you're looking for. And then also with electricity. If electricity, if there's no house in sight and there's no electricity out on a really rural area, that's your responsibility to bring that electricity to you. So that can get very pricey too, depending on where you're at. So nothing negative, just all things you want to be educated about when you buy a lot. That's a great story. And yes, I would agree. There's a lot of things that's just not as easy as, hey, I want to buy land. There's a lot of things to think about and consider, especially with what you want to do with this property if your goal is to eventually build a home. Wow. One point I want to talk about too is a lot of times people are asking me if there's a size, is there a minimum acre size? So at farm credit, there's not a maximum. Well, I don't care what the acres is. If it's one acre, three acre, 120 acres, I always direct them to there again, the county assessor. And I don't know if you can relate to any of this because each county is different. You're like me, we cover a, a broad area, but it's very important that there again, they visit that assessor because I know there is some counties that maybe have a minimum one acre or three acre, some I believe are even five acres. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, I do. So going back to that Lust Hills, there's some different, I I believe it's a minimum of three acres in some areas of Mills County, Iowa, just for an example, and every Uh county is different. And then in other areas, it's two acres. And then in other areas, if you're developing a larger subdivision, we see a lot of communities, acreage communities that have one to two acre lots. And so it does just depend, especially if you are buying, say, a 10 acre parcel, thinking that you want to subdivide that down the road, maybe for some income opportunity. It's really important to understand what you can and cannot do with the property because five years down the road, you might go to say, okay, I'm going to sell my family member five of my 10 acres and they might not let you do it. So if that's something that you're thinking about in the long term, then that's also something that you want to be exhaust all your resources, do all of the homework that you possibly can. Make sure there's, it, it to include, make sure if you don't want to live next to pigs that there's not a swine farm down the road. Do a good drive around. Consider what it's going to be like driving in the winter. And then especially with splitting the land, just make sure that if you have future or, or how it's zoned, Michelle, because say you want to run a, an ag-related business, maybe there's some tax opportunities for you there. So there's, but you want to make sure that you can do that with the county prior to closing on the property. And some things I can think of too is, and I've done it a couple times, is they've built a home and then they're building a guest home or maybe a mother-in-law suite or something. They want parents on the property. So Farm Credit World First, we will finance that, but then I really have to educate them that you need to check with the assessor. Was Is your county assessor going to allow two properties on that? And I think there again, it depends on what is the size of that. Is it five acres or is it a 20 acre parcel? So just there again, and you talk about a ho- hobby farm. So there again, We'll finance those all day long. If you've if you're looking to have pigs or chickens, a, a farmers market type thing, that's fine with farm credit. But then there again, just double checking with that county assessor. And what is your intent with this land once you get it? Besides building a home, but is there other things that you're wanting to do? Recently, since we've partnered with Rural First, we do also recreational land. So I've seen a lot of that, especially over here in this area, 10, 15, 20 acre parcel that 
really you can't build on. It's just hunting ground. So there again, you know, when they're coming and they want to find land just to do that, what is it that you're looking for? And we'll finance that recreational ground too. I know we've worked together in the past and Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of success stories too. Mm -hmm. So it's, I feel like some of what I was describing sounds negative, but it's not. It's just being careful and making sure that you partner with the right lender and the right real estate agent to make sure that you are not getting yourself into something that you might not be able to easily sell down the road because we didn't do all of our homework up front. And we do finance land loans. We can just do the land loan or a lot of times when people are coming and they're wanting to build and I've talked in previous podcasts about our construction product and we'll continue to talk about it but that can be the first draw if you're ready to go when we're ready to do a construction loan though I need your plans bid specs and then the purchase agreement or the survey of what you're of what you're wanting to purchase so if you're not ready for that and some people aren't they just have this dream that they're calling me and they're like I want land I want to build I need out of the city so we'll do the land loan and then we'll work together and come back and Maybe it's a year or two years for that construction loan. And at that point, we can roll them together or keep it separate. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Emily? I don't think so. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. And this is always a fun topic of conversation. And I think the more educational information we can get out there to people, the better. So yep. thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. And I think that's exactly what Emily said, is just making sure that you're educating yourself and finding out what all it takes to purchase land and eventually what you want to do with it, whether you're building or that hobby farm or whatever your goal is. So... Thank you for joining us on this episode of Living Rural. I hope you have found value in the information we have shared regarding finding that perfect land for you to build your home on. We release new episodes each week and look forward to seeing you next time.